And we'll talk more about this sign when Moses and Aaron use it before the Pharaoh in chapter 7. But this sign teaches us that sometimes we must be willing to do the impractical. Lord, Moses could have said to God, I know that's not the way you catch a snake. You don't grab a snake by the tail. But sometimes we have to do the impractical. We have to be obedient to the Lord's word to us, even though it's beyond reason from our perspective, in order that God's power will work in our behalf. You're looking too far for that need you have inside. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. All right, it's uh, graduation day in Exodus chapter 3 for Moses. He's got to have his burning bush moment with the Lord. And we're going to find that he is a very reluctant servant of God there in the beginning. And so this, in a sense, should give us a little bit of hope. So I don't know if everyone has surrendered to the Lord quickly, perfectly, without any complaints, any questions. Uh, Definitely, we find Moses had a few questions for the Lord Even when the Lord would give him answers and show him signs, he still ultimately said, send someone else. But God wasn't going to give up on him so easily, and nor does the Lord give up on us. But Moses is still not convinced. He is a reluctant messenger, as we'll learn in chapter 4. To become a good leader, it can be frightening to contemplate, uh, especially when you might feel ill-equipped for the role. When speaking about being a godly leader, history testifies that God equips those whom he calls, and moreover, the Lord will bring others alongside to help fulfill the call of God in their lives. And feeling ill-equipped is where Moses finds himself right now here in chapter 4. Initially, he responds to God by making excuses. First, Moses assumes wrongfully that they won't listen, that Israel will refuse, saying that they won't listen to me, they won't believe me. They will say, the Lord has not appeared to you. So the third sign, verse 9, very short, one verse. But God gave Moses the ability to turn water into blood. 
And it shall be if they do not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice. So the word of your testimony, the two signs that I've given you, uh, the rod turning into a snake back into a rod again, the leprosy, you, you know, watch this, guys. That was the, right? Stick it in the bosom, bring it out again. That's interesting. Um, we never read of Moses ever repeating the leprosy trick. I'm not saying it's a trick, but you know what I mean? Is that God gave him this ability, told him to do this, and we never read of him ever doing it again. Kind of wonder if that one was personal. What if I pull my hand out and it's leprous and I put it back in and it doesn't work? I don't know if I want to do this one, Lord. Yet the turning of water into blood, we're going to read about this in Exodus 7 again. We'll talk more about it then. Would be the first of the ten plagues that God would bring upon the children of Israel. And perhaps this was the first because the Nile River represented life to Egypt. And yet, like the woman at the well, the Egyptians neglected the true source of life. Jesus said to the woman at the well in John 4, 13 and 14, Whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks the water that I shall give them will never thirst, but the water that I shall give them will become to him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Oh, how we need to drink that water that comes from Jesus Christ, the water of everlasting life. Yeah, Moses isn't done yet. The reluctant leader has more excuses for the Lord. Again, I'm sure that you guys could never relate to any of this. The Lord has spoken to your heart. You've always obeyed immediately without questioning. Yes, sir, Lord, what would you have me do? But not Moses. And not me as well. Verses 10 through 12, Then Moses said to the Lord, Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since. Back when I was Egypt, or the last 40 years here in the wilderness, it probably had only gotten worse, right? Have you ever known anybody like move to a southern state? I had a friend uh, that I grew up with, that I think it was 15 years old, he moved to Mississippi. And I said, before you know it, you're going to be sounding like someone from Mississippi. And sure enough, a year later, came back to visit and he sounded like he belonged in Mississippi and no longer in northern Illinois. I said, you sound like you're from Mississippi. I do not. Yeah, you do. You just proved it right there. So he said, neither before nor since you have spoken your word to your servant, but I am slow of speech. I am slow of tongue. This really seems to go against Stephen's description in Acts 7.22. Moses was learned in all the wisdom of Egypt and was mighty in words and deed. You know, years ago I thought about that because it always seemed to like counter opposite of what Moses tells the Lord here in chapter 4, verse 10, if he was mighty in words indeed, why would he say that he's not eloquent, that he slowed his speech? Well, when you have authority behind you, 
It really doesn't matter how well you speak. If you have authority, then you're mighty in word and deed. You may not be eloquent, but you have authority, and people have to listen. But although physical ability can be useful to the Lord, it can never replace the spiritual when doing the work of God. It doesn't matter. I mean, truly, to this day, Exodus 4.10 could describe me as well. And although we can train ourselves and improve ourselves, physical ability, it is useful, but it can never replace the Spirit's work in our lives. So it was, verses 11 and 12, the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth, or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seen or the blind, have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what to say. So here he lists out. Now, some might accuse the Lord. Why would God give people disabilities? We know that it was because of the fall. God is the creator of all things. But because of the fall, sin entered into the world, and these things just come upon us. But God can use our inabilities, our disabilities, to bring glory to his name. He was going to speak the word of the Lord before the Pharaoh. And what was important, that God was going to feed him the words to say. It's something that Paul prayed, or asked the church of Ephesus to pray for him, saying, Ephesians 6.19, Pray for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly and make the mystery of the gospel known. Paul asked others to pray for him, that I would be bold, that I can make the mystery of the gospel known to other people. In other words, Paul was asking others, pray that God would put his words in my mouth. Now, clearly Moses is running out of excuses. And so he does what so many tend to do when God calls them in their life. Send someone else. Verse 13. Oh, my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. Anybody else, but not me. And although this angered the Lord, he did not take Moses' no for an answer and told him that he would send then his older brother Aaron to be his spokesman before the people. And so let's go ahead and read this, verses 14 through 17. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite your brother? And I know that he can speak well. And look, he is also coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you what you should do. So he shall be your spokesman to the people. And he himself shall be as a mouth for you. And you shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do signs. This is almost comedic to me as I think about it. 
So Moses, God's still going to send him, but now he gives him his older brother, Aaron, to be his mouthpiece. And so whenever, you know, the Ten Commandments movie has it all wrong, because every time Moses and Aaron would appear before the Pharaoh, it would be Aaron talking to Moses, Moses whispering to Aaron, this is what you say. And then Aaron would turn around and speak the words that he would say to him. He would become the mouthpiece for Moses. Moses would be as God to Aaron in the sense that Aaron would only speak the words that God would feed to Moses, that Moses in turn would give to Aaron. It would be like me as your pastor. I'll use Kevin, our assistant, for an example, that I write the sermons and say, here you go, Kevin. Here's your text for this week. And I stand over at the side. Okay. It would be odd. We wouldn't be familiar with it. It could work if it had to. But here Moses is running out of excuses. And God's not going to give up on him. Moses then would receive God's word and relay it to Aaron and that he would speak it before the people and even speak before Pharaoh and God caused Moses to take his staff, that that staff then would become his instrument, the instrument of his sign. God can use anything. What's that you got in your hand, Moses? A rod, a staff? Oh, that's going to be the sign, the instrument of my sign before the people. The word tells us in 1 Corinthians 1.27, God uses chooses the foolish things in the world to put to shame the wise. God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And God desired for Moses to be the instrument of his deliverance, but his unwillingness to wholeheartedly answer the call of God caused Moses to share his gifts with his brothers. But also God had promised, I'll, I'll be with you. I'll give you the words. When I first started preaching and uh, at the church I surrendered to the ministry I keep repeating it Romans ten fourteen. how shall they hear without a preacher I went forward that Sunday morning the Lord gave me that scripture on that Sunday morning in Sunday school class adult Sunday school class I went forward after church that Sunday and said the Lord's called me to preach they quickly got the licensing order licensed me in the ministry. I mean, it happened fast. And the preacher said, oh, by the way, I'm out of town next week. You want to preach for me next Sunday night? Okay, that's a good notice. Got a whole week. And then I studied for the week, and the Lord changed my message that Sunday afternoon. God is wonderful. Never our ways, never by our plans. But the Lord promised, and the point I want to make when I first started preaching, I used to pray this prayer over the messages often that Matthew 10, 19, and 20, and when they deliver you up, and sometimes I felt like I'd been delivered up when I stood in the pulpit, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should say. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. And how I desire God's spirit to use me, especially when I'm in the pulpit, but even when I'm outside the pulpit, 
You never know the words that you speak that might change the heart of someone else. The important thing is that we will be willing to answer God's call upon our life, whatever that call might be, no matter the difficulties that we might face, that we would experience the power of God working in and through our lives. And just think about this. I didn't write this in my notes, but I've thought about it a bit this afternoon. How much did Moses and Aaron even know one another? Moses had been gone for 40 years. Did Aaron go on a Midian vacation every once in a while and go visit his brother? Could he leave? Apparently he left this time. Moses was only in the household of his parents for maybe three years. And that could have been the relationship that they had with one another. They might have seen one another, but yet God would use these brothers in a mighty way. So it was, verses 18 through 20, so Moses went and returned to Jethro, his father-in-law, and said to him, please let me go and return to my brethren who are in Egypt and see whether they are still alive. And Jethro said to Moses, go in peace. And the Lord said to Moses and Midian, go return to Egypt for all the men are dead who sought your life. So there was just a confirmation from the Lord to Moses. Nobody's seeking your life right now, so go. Verse 20, then Moses took his wife and his sons, set them on a donkey, and he returned to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the rod of God in his hand, that common shepherd's tool. This rod represented the power of God he would carry with him. He not only took his family, but most importantly, he took the weapon that he would need, the spiritual weapon, the rod of God. And so the Lord said to Moses, when you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I've put in your hand. So this tells us that Moses had to turn his hand into leprosy, although we never read about it in the Bible. But the Lord said, make sure you do all these. What was the three things? The rod into a snake, back into a rod again. The hand into the bosom, leprous, back into the bosom, healed, clean, and water into blood. Make sure you do these things. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. And you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel, my son, my firstborn, verse 23, so I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. But if he refuses to let him go, indeed, I will kill your son, your firstborn. So even before going down to speak to Pharaoh, God let Moses know that it's not going to be easy. He's not going to listen to you. In fact, Pharaoh's hardened heart would only get harder. And we'll look at this as we go through uh, the hardening of Pharaoh's heart. We read about it some nine times uh, as we go through the Exodus, that sometimes God hardened Pharaoh's heart, sometimes Pharaoh hardened his own heart. Ultimately, we know that Pharaoh's heart was hardened to the point, like Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 2, saying that 
their own conscience being seared like with a hot iron. It was hardened to that point of no return. And as a result of that, God would take his firstborn son. And yet God's still working with Moses. In verses 24 through 26, it tells us, And it came to pass on the way, at the encampment, the Lord met Moses and sought to kill him. What? I thought Moses was the deliverer, the savior of Israel. Well, he sought to kill him, and Zephorah took a sharp stone and cut off the foreskins of her son and cast it at Moses' feet and said, Surely you are a husband of blood to me. And so he let him go, and then she said, You are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. It doesn't sound like a nice pet name that you give to your husband, but I don't know. If you were raised up in Midian, it might be different. Here's the thing. Obedience was important. God had placed a call on Moses' life, but Moses had not obeyed the commandment of the Lord. And at that time, all they had was a sign of circumcision. And he had not had his sons circumcised. And so for Moses to be the deliverer of Israel, he needed to be walking in fellowship with God in the commands of the Lord. And at that point, this is the covenant that I make with my people, the sign of circumcision. God said to Abraham on the eighth day, all male child shall be circumcised. Samuel said to King Saul when he disobeyed the Lord, his response 1 Samuel 15, 22, has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, to heed than the fat of the lambs. King Saul had burned a lot of offerings to the Lord and said, look, we burned all these offerings, but you were disobedient, King Saul. To obey is better than sacrifice, to heed. And so we close out with a joyous reunion. Verses 27 through 31, the Lord said to Aaron, go into the wilderness to meet Moses. And he went. He met him on the mountain of God. He kissed him. So Moses told Aaron all the words of the Lord who had sent him and all the signs which he had commanded him. Then Moses and Aaron went and gathered the, together all the elders of the children of Israel. Aaron spoke all the words which the Lord had spoken to Moses then he did the sign in the sight of the people, and the people believed when they had heard that the Lord had visited the children of Israel and that he had looked upon their affliction. Then they bowed their heads and worshiped. They believed. They saw the signs. They heard the words. And they believed that God had come. They bowed their heads and worshiped. I love that. Although there was only one Moses, God has a plan for each of our lives. He has a role for each of us to play in his divine plan. And that call that God has placed upon our hearts, it's obedience that the Lord seeks, a surrendering to his will to walk in his ways that we might see him do great things through our lives. Lord, let that be our prayer this evening. Father, we live in troubling times.
And yet, none of the things that we are going through currently in our country, conditions throughout the whole world, nothing is a surprise to you. Lord Jesus, you still have a plan for your church. And we here, Lord, as believers in Jesus Christ, we are part of that church. So, Father, I pray that we would be surrendered to your call upon our lives. Perhaps, Lord, we are somewhere in the process. You've placed a call upon our heart, but we haven't quite arrived yet. I pray, Lord, that we have forward momentum, that we're walking in faith in such a way that we can see the power of God working in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would bless us with physical abilities, but we, may we never neglect the need of the Spirit of God working in and through our lives. Lord, may it be said of us, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. May that be our heart's cry this evening, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today. And may the Lord richly bless you as you worship him today.